Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. We're heading to Texas straight away, specifically Austin, and I welcome Keishla to the show. Keishla, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I appreciate your making time, and I just want to confirm that I did, in fact, pronounce your name correctly. Did I get it right? You, you nailed it perfectly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know. So, uh, my friend, uh, what sensitive topic, tough conversation is on your mind today? You know, I'm really working with some of my team on um, adopting new habits, change of practice, um, you know, introducing new tools, and trying to find the effective way to help people sort of um, to, to move behaviors and change habits in a way that is um, honoring the uh, resources provided by the organization and really helping them see that, you know, when you when you give up something old that you know is effective, like that new space is going to be equally effective and possibly even more so. Nice. I appreciate the continual learning. And I think that's awesome because change is the only constant. I'm wondering, are folks leaning into it? Are they all in? Are they uh, pushing back a little bit? I have varying degrees. And I don't, I wouldn't even... describe it as pushback. Um, I've got a lot of people who are just sort of taking it on. As always, when there's some change, you've got your early adopters, you've got your people who are sort of middle of the road, um, you know, some well-intentioned hesitation, questions, um, you know, because change is always difficult. And then I think on the tail end, you have people who are struggling with it for various reasons and not necessarily from a combative space, um, but just sort of figuring it out. And so while I am thoughtful that there are times when you have to have tough conversations. I'm trying to do a better job as a leader to position the change proactively in a positive way, as opposed to waiting for it to be a problem. Really key, because that's where I was going to go first. Keisha, could you share with listeners how you did tee up the change for folks? Love to hear how you... um, Brought it up. Yeah, you know, so to it's a new tool. So I'm I'm thinking specifically we we are adopting a new tool to help us with our practice as success managers, and so um, lots of great resources. But as always, people are you know you you have ways that you used to do it, and so you're trying to sort of figure out: Am I giving something up, and is this better? And so we've been taking a real um, metacognitive approach to talking through the use of the tool and not necessarily coming right out, right out and setting standards for behavior, but really talking through, like, what is, it that, what is it that you used to do in this one other system or multiple systems, and then how can we see our way into that space with this new system? I don't know that I necessarily can say or recall that I teed it up with one specific conversation as much, much as it's been an ongoing process that I've been trying to embrace. Um, but then, like I said, I have varying levels of um, adopters and then wanting to make sure for like even my high flyers, you know, are they high flyers and there still is an opportunity to refine their practices in using the resources? 
the people who are middle of the road, you know, what types of things can I say or do to help, you know, push them a little bit more? And then how do I kind of bring up the people who are, you know, kind of bringing up the rear? So less that I have a memory of a specific conversation as much as um, the entire approach has been, let's, let's think through why we do what we do. And yeah. in that process, are there things we need to let go so that we can hold, you know, get this other thing that might amplify us a little bit more, if that makes sense. It does make sense. One context thing for us, just to help listeners appreciate. So just help us with what do the folks do for their job? And then just a little bit more on the tool, just to make it real for okay. us. Not that. So there are success managers. So the team that I support, we're a team of success managers. And so we manage accounts of varying um, sizes and implementations. And the goal is to um, partner with our, our clients in order to help them maximize the value of the services and resources that they have with us. And so um, that can take the place in scheduling, offering value-add sessions, reviewing data, um, understanding goals. Um, so really helping to sort of align with our customers, equip them with the right tools and resources, and help drive intentional and purposeful usage of our services um, to lead to really advanced and, you know, long-term, happy, healthy customers that, that stay with you. So oh, that's fabulous. the Thank work you. that we do. Yeah, the it's tool fabulous. that we use is a, is a success management tool, um, and so it helps us to understand overall account health and um, different metrics and, and understanding to help us determine um, behaviors and practices and help manage, you know, just the flow of our work and, and all the, the things, many things that we're juggling and dealing with complex partnerships. Got it. Got it. Thank mm-hmm. you very much for clarifying. That super helps me. Sure. Let me, um, I'll just talk a little bit about the setup and then let's get to the dealing with the different level of adopters. So this notion of change and everyone knows, you know, just change is a constant and this concept of the shared reality of where we are now. So I think of that, I think of four steps. First is just the, the current state situation. And I, I think of that as an, a very objective uh, view, not a subjective thing. People are unhappy or happy, but it might be, right. you know, this tool has been used for so long. Um, here are the things that we know are positive. Here are the things that we are negative and just getting it out in the open and using that as a landing spot so that the whole team can agree and align that, hey, this is where we are. Because if you want to get to a certain point, if the team doesn't agree with where we are, charting the path to the new place is just going to be really difficult. So I think that's also a way to just gain um, participation for folks. And lots of times as the person who you see a bit more of it, it can be easy to take Mm -hmm. for granted that the folks out at the edge don't necessarily have the full view. So that situation, you know, I think of that as one slide and a few key bullets just to level set with folks. And then mm-hmm. the driver for change. So to your point, you might, you know, like this is people have complained, uh, c- clients have complained, we're spending more money, whatever the, because there's a lot of things we could do. We'd be like, why are we doing this now? And the point is this, right. the one or two things that compels change now. So this is why you need to focus on it now and it helps us and you be better, right? So that's just to bring them along that journey. And clarifying the specific problem to be addressed, and that's hard because most of the time people actually are kind of talking around the issue and we don't actually have clear problem definition. And so it's just really hard to agree on a solution if we don't have that. So this is all great in getting alignment. If you think about that problem and then, hey, here's the solution. So let me just pause here. Does that give you a way that you might frame it up, you know, from a business setup, but also how 
how um, you can engage folks in the whole change journey? Absolutely. And I think that the point that you make about that reminding me on that shared reality that that oftentimes we all sort of come in, into it in spaces. I was in another conversation. We were all using language and like, okay, let's pause for a second and make sure that the terms we're using, we all understand them to be the same thing. And so um, having that starting point will then allow you to, to move on that journey. So I think that's always just a great reminder. Oftentimes we assume that people know what we know and, and not just that what we know, but we then our understanding of what we know is the same and we know that's not always the case. Awesome insight. That's exactly mm-hmm. that's exactly it. Now on the people part, we all know the change is about the people. And I want to normalize and there's a great change um uh, I can't remember the program that I think about. And it's just three three things. And people, everyone is part of this change, right? So there's no better or worse. If you're in the front, if you're kind of in the rear, we have space for everyone. And there's three uh, types of people in change. There's your leapers. Your leapers are like, we are all in, okay? <laughs> we don't even need to hear yeah. all this stuff that Keisha wants to say. Um, and they're great because they're just going to kind of get you started and go. There's the road builders who are, they're thinking it through. They're thinking it through. They're like, wait a second. It doesn't mean they're not for the change, to your point. It's not that people are for, but they're like, wait a second. How is this really working? This road builder group is essential, right? To make sure that the change goes the way you want. So there's space for everyone. Those are your kind of middle, middle of the road. And then the folks that may be perceived as the stragglers. And sometimes because they're not so skillful, Keishla, they get labeled as oh, you're not a team player, you're not for the change. That group of folks typically has a historical context. They really don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. They want to make sure we honor some of the traditions. To your point, what were some of the great things about the previous system or way that we don't want to let go of because they still serve us? Mm-hmm. Normalizing a bit that, hey, I appreciate that this is a different experience for everyone, I want you to know we need everybody here. And just um, putting that out there can help, I think, help people realize, well, Keishla gets that this is a different experience for all of us. And oh, by the way, you know, we're all necessary. So let me pause there. Right. How's that landing? That's, and, and you, you gave different language to, I think what I said sort of early adopters, middle of the world. I love the term road builders um, because I do think that those are the people, not necessarily, but the leapers aren't thoughtful. Right, but they're they're just willing to sort of take on that that uncertainty in a different way. Whereas the road builders are the ones that are going to leave you with a really you know paved double you know with an esplanade in the middle. They're going to help you with your processes because they're going to ask some of those questions um, to help create that space. And then I've been very thoughtful. I don't want to treat anybody as a as a straggler um, because I'm learning it right along with them. So it's, it's not that I got some early advanced, you know, access to the resource. You know, we're all going through this process together. So it's always nice to sort of tap into what um, the leapers are doing and, and bring those things together with the road builders and then, you know, helping to provide the right amount of support of talking through. Um, so I'm a, I'm a former teacher, so metacognition. Um, so thinking through your thinking is, is a really big part of my practice in general and being reflective and asking yourself, so why and what are you trying to do and, and how is what you're doing over here, um, you know, does how is it reflected in this space and what that process 
easier for you, more effective, that it give you better insights. And so not trying to provide the answers as much as provide good questions. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And I should have labeled the third bucket is kind of the tradition holders, right? So there's a label for that. And I'm happy to send this. I have some slides on this yeah. if it's helpful for you. Um, I think the the idea, I think in a lot of people's bias, it feels like the people who are first, quote unquote, are better, are better. right? And right. so again, to the, as, as the, the leader facilitator of this group, honoring that everybody here has a very vital role, you know, obviously is, is awesome for each individual to feel that. And it's essential so that you actively actually have effective change. Now, you used a fancy term, meta, metacognitive. And would you mind unpacking that for listeners? I'm not super familiar with that. Yeah, yeah metacognition in, in the education space is really just thinking about your thinking. Um, and it's about the process of tapping into your thinking process, <laughs> quite simply. And so... Um, as opposed to when we're using the tool, there are times when we're, you know, very results driven and we're trying to get something from it or have it do something. We're really slowing that process down a bit and saying, okay, so if I, you know, if I do this, what will happen? And, you know, what would this practice lead to as opposed to, you know, right away saying you need to do A, B, and C every day. Um, We're just really trying to kind of come at it from a bit more of an organic space and less of, um, trying to make some hard, fast decisions right away. And so when you just, it's kind of, I kind of like to refer to it as being in the matrix of your thinking and everything just slows down a bit and you, you question your, you know, your first and your fast thinking and, um, and you kind of put it a bit under a, a microscope so that then at the end of it, you don't get to those situations where you, you decide on something really early and then, then, a couple of weeks later, you realize that, oh, it created some level of redundancy. And then sometimes in that process, we can then invalidate what we're trying to do because then we're, we're poking holes at it as opposed to poking holes in our thinking. Does that make sense? Yeah, I do. I, like, I think of it as a yeah. heightened degree of mindfulness as right. we're just thinking through. Like we're thinking, but is this just being aware of what's going on for us? Um, exactly. I love it's that. all about awareness of your thought process and and how you come to make decisions. And so even, even as you, you know, your, my first instinct is, oh, to celebrate my leapers. And then I've kind of taken a step back. And so as I'm entering into conversations with my leapers, you know, sometimes the first thing you leap to do isn't the best thing. So let's, you know, pause on that and figure out, um, you know, was that first, sometimes that first leap is great. You know, and you're like, oh, that was instinctual. Um, you know, I, that's something I want to keep doing and, and that makes sense. But sometimes it's like I did that and I thought this was going to happen and this was the result. And so maybe I want to roll that back and do something a little bit differently. Yeah, great. Now for each of these groups, is there a particular conversation we could role play a little bit uh, in terms of approaching? I know you mentioned a little bit about the traditionalists. Any particular aspect that might be helpful? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to, like, if I were sort of repositioning, because obviously we're, we're into it. And if I had an opportunity to, to reposition to the tradition holders um, the process of change or, or what we're about to undertake, what would be the best way to sort of reintroduce that? Sometimes I think, you know, we'll, we miss the opportunity. Because we don't do it right the first time, we don't really appreciate the need for just a do-over. Yeah, 
Can I just tell you, I love the term do-over. So, Keisha, I think you just, you're part of the answer. Hey, folks, would love for us to get together and do a checkpoint on how we're doing with this change, with this success management tool. You know, I think there might be a chance, an opportunity to do a little do-over. Pause, right? Love to hear from each of you. How do you think it's going? What's going well? What might be improved? And hear from them because that gives you information on where they're at, right? Mm -hmm. And so you hear them and you align, and then you might have a chance to say, you know, one thing when I think about do-over, I realized I wasn't as explicit. And sometimes, and I apologize if it came across this way, it might feel like, you know, I'm rushing you, and I don't want you to feel that way. I, I know that part of what you can bring is helping, you know, look at the, the past and the historical and what we've got here and just give them an opportunity to feel honored that you recognize mm-hmm. that their pace, you know, that you're not trying to say that's wrong, that, you know, obviously we want to move things as quickly as we can, but in the right way and you value them for the thoughtfulness, right? And then you work it together and just so they realize, you know, so I'm going to push a little bit and know that it's not because I'm unhappy because that's my job. So if you need to pull me back, I need you to make sure that I'm clear on that. So you establish a partnership uh, with, you, right. with that group, right? So that you don't also feel like you sh- it shouldn't be your job, Keishla, to like magically, telegraphically, you know, <laughs> wonder where, where are these people, right? It's part of their responsibility to let you know. Right. No, I really appreciate that language, obviously, moving from the do-over, remembering to pause. You're always so good. I I hear you say pause in my head, pause, because that's something we don't do enough to create space. Um, But I also like one thing that I think resonates with me that I've been, you know, always just been working to practice because the only person that I can change is me. And so by saying, you know, maybe I wasn't as explicit, I'm taking my ownership for my actions and behaviors. And then I think when you do that for your team, they um, appreciate that you're not sort of seeing everything as a sum total of what they do or don't do, that sometimes I didn't lead them in the most proper way. And I can take ownership for that and make a shift and change my behavior. So I'm modeling change as I'm expecting them to enter into change. So I appreciate that. Yeah. You are amazing. This is the only person I can change is me. Hello, how profound. And this is Keisha's version of we're all part of the problem and we're all part of the solution, including lovely me. And I just want to encourage leaders out there, in particular teammates out there, that's a position of strength, right? When you have the confidence yep. to say, you know, we're all perfectly imperfect, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Keisha, so great. Is there a top takeaway in particular from our little chat that comes to mind for you? I think that the, my two, uh, two big takeaways, number one is really how important it is to have really clear agreement of where we are before you start to make movements for change um, and having a, that shared reality. So I think that's something that you always speak about in your videos. And so I appreciate that and just that reminder of having that. And then secondly, um, valuing, you know, in, in, um, Inherently, whenever there's some type of shift or things, you know, you always see your, ta- your team or even people within your organization in various groups and not that any of those groups are more valuable or less valuable than the other. We just need to understand where, where they are all coming from to make sure that we're able to build forward together. Oh, beautiful. 
Let me know how it goes. You know how to reach me. If I can be more help, I'm happy to send you that the slide information if that's useful. Um, I appreciate you calling and taking time on your busy day. And huge thank you, Keishla, for being part of the solution. You take good care. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Molly. Have a great day. You too. Ciao, ciao. Oh, she's so spectacular. Uh, okay, before our next caller, I do want to invite folks who are listening. If a, if a scenario has come up for you, I'd love to have you on the show. The number is 866-472-5790. If you're international, you can call Collect at country code 1-480-398-3352. And a reminder, sayitskillfully.com. My site has all the videos that can um, help you to say it a little bit more skillfully. And with that, I'm so excited to introduce from Atlanta, Heidi. Heidi, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you, Molly, for having me. And thank you for inviting Kisla. Oh, my goodness. That was an amazing segment. She's superstar. I mean, I, I have to tell you, this LinkedIn thing, I never, you know, I'm, I'm an <laughs> introvert private person, really. And so this whole social media thing is, is a relatively new phenomena for me. And I can't tell you the number of spectacular people I've had a chance to cross paths with. So it's just really been a gift. Agreed. Um, I, I, I do the same with LinkedIn. I, 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 as always, when I'm listening to your show, I was writing down, you know, just wonderful things that she was saying. And I ran out of, you can't see this, but I'm holding up a paper. I ran out of space on my paper because it, so, it was so good when you guys were going back and forth. You know, don't, don't just come with answers, come with good questions. And first doesn't necessarily mean better. Just lovely, really wonderful stuff. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, so, Heidi, I imagine you have a scenario or two on your mind. So how can uh, can I be of help today? I do. Um, actually, these are kind of curated questions that I've been gathering from, from various people around the globe. And so sometimes when I ask these questions, please know that they're not necessarily applicable just to the U.S. Uh, for example, the first one um, comes from a country where they have something similar to um, – uh, HIPAA laws, but not exactly. So her question to me was, and I told her I was going to relate this to you also. Um, she is in, in, in my cancer space. That's how I know this woman. And she is returning to work. Their, their country is now coming back from COVID. So she is coming into the office and she has to start wearing um, a medical device. And it's obvious. It's not something that she can tuck, you know, into her, her socks or something like that. It's something that's going to be obvious and she'll have to walk around with it for quite some time. Um, it does not impact her insurance or her ability to do her job, anything like that. But she does, it, it will be obvious. She has to wear it on her clothing. Um, and so what she asked me was, you know, how would I advise, should she address this up front to people that she's going to be coming in contact with or should she just wait until people come to her and say, oh my gosh, what is that? You know, what is a kind of a graceful way to say, here's what this is, or does she even need to do that? I mean, you know, you, you can't control what people are going to say, but does she need to respond? And if so, how should she respond? Great question. Great question. And, and there are lots of right answers. There's no, um, I think, set answer on this. And I think it really mm -hmm. is about what she's comfortable with, Mm -hmm. And um, if she could imagine being in other people's shoes where she mm -hmm. might think they are so that, you know, I think that the like, what do you want to have happen is you want people to be really comfortable with you. And we want people to not feel like there's any taboo topics. Well, she didn't bring it up. So we better not ask because she yeah. might be uncomfortable, right? Blah, blah, blah. Right. So there, that's when you have, I would say, just lack of transparency. So I think the first thing is for her 
just getting a sense for herself, it sounds like she's super comfortable. This is this thing that I have to wear and it's not a big deal and I'm awesome. It's all good, right? So I don't sense any holding back from her. Is that, is that your sense too? Right? Yeah, no, spot on, exactly right. That's right. So I think that energy, she's like, ah, so excited to be back in the office and with my friend, so she could, you know, <laughs> name it, right? And just say, yep, nice. It, Right. To the extent that she wants to share what it's for, because people will wonder so in a way that maybe isn't too intrusive to her, but she feels answers the question, why does she have to wear that, which is a totally normal question, then she could be forthright about that. And and even follow up and say, hey, folks, just what so you know, I'm super comfortable. And if anyone has any questions, I warmly welcome them. Please don't feel like, you know, I'm, uh, you might hurt my feelings or what have you. I'd want us to all feel very comfortable. And most of all, I'm just thrilled to be back at work. We pause there. How's that landing? Yeah, that's, that's really good. She, um, when she mentioned it to me, she was hoping it could be kind of a, an educational tool without feeling um, preachy, if you will. Like she didn't want to like, you know, say, and you know, cancer is not just chemotherapy. It goes on for years. And she really wants to use it as an educational forum. And she, um, I'm, I myself personally am blessed with the kind of boss who um, will ask questions and then will always, um, you know, say things like, if this is too much, don't, you don't have to share. You don't have to tell me just really gracious and, and gentle, but curious and, and wants to be educated. And I think she's not in that kind of space. So she's hoping um, to get that type of education out to her people too, because, you know, you never know someone you interact with might have someone in their lives going through the exact same thing. And they will then be more comfortable because they've learned from her that it is no big deal. Totally awesome. So here is an idea for her, that next step. And she has this fear of sounding preachy. So let's just be transparent with that. Uh, I don't want it all to come across as I'm preachy. I learned a lot uh, uh, going through this um, last however months it was. And I would want folks to feel comforted that if they were to have this kind of illness, you know, here's some things that um, I'd learned. And I would be happy to chat with folks individually or even a lunch and learn if that might be of interest to anyone. So you can just offer that. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if people would be like, yeah, you know, that I, you know, people will start to say, you know what, my, this relative, I went through something and it creates this openness that we can talk about these uh, medical things that are sometimes a little more touchy, you know, a broken arm, we wouldn't worry about, but mental health or cancer, sometimes people aren't sure what the boundaries are. And so someone having gone through it, I think has credibility, has authority to kind of just say, I'm not saying everyone feels like me. For me, it was like this, and I'm happy to share in support of others um, any way that I might be helpful. Lovely. That just, just remove that um, kind of stigma, false or genuine, of, of shame. You know, there should be no, if you're comfortable with it, then you should be able to discuss it, like you said, mental health or physical. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I know that it, it can be real where the other person may look less favorably, you know, and, and again, if, if one is in an environment, right, where that becomes something that's held against you, I would really hope that you would find a different environment. I just can't believe in this, particularly with this last year, that folks would go there. <laughs> they may do it inadvertently. And so then it's important for helpful people to realize, you know, I, I, I would love if you would respond this way. That would make me feel, uh, you know, that I could be my full self. 
and get into Lovely. conversation about it, right? Lovely. Very good. Very good. Nice. Very Sounds good. like you had a few teed up, so you checked one <laughs> off. I did, yep. Um, and there's another one, and this one actually is from um, the U.S., from, from New York, actually. Um, uh, my, my friend has uh, asked, she said that she's constantly the, oh, target probably isn't a good word. She, she's the one that people go to because she has, she's very affable and outgoing and friendly, and she's not in a position of prominence in her, in her company, in the corporation, but she does have friends in all, all different departments and areas, and she finds herself being the type of person that people will come to and, and be requested to act as sort of an intercessor be, between someone and their manager um, about a topic, even if it's like a really good idea. You know, it's, it's nothing, um, nothing like, you know, I've been injured or whatever. It's nothing like that. It's simply, I have a really good idea, but I'm too afraid to talk to my boss about it. And she wants, she was hoping that someone could, she could find the words to say, it's a great idea. Be bold. Go talk to your manager. But she just can't get that across for some reason. So do you have any gentle words for her? <laughs> this is great. This is my favorite one. I call it channeling. Channeling. <laughs> I experienced this a little bit in family dimensions once. My mother might say, you should tell blah, 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 blah. I said, no, 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 no. I'm not telling blah, 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 blah. This is, you know, we have to, we want direct lines of communication. So I think... Again, focusing less on the task, which is let's talk about the idea and more about the relationship, a way she might Mm -hmm. offer that is, and let's just call the friend uh, Tim. Tim, so great, that idea. And I would love you to get full credit and and be able to talk to Sarah, right, the boss, um, directly. May I ask, first was a permission, may I ask, what do you, what's going on where you f- feel more comfortable from me, but not so much going to Sarah? Pause, right? And then, mm-hmm. you know, you, the, and, and just see what comes up. And so I think the opportunity is that Tim isn't as good, in as good relationship with himself, right? For whatever reason, whether it's an insecurity of some sort or a previous thing that happened, whatever it is, is Mm -hmm. helping Tim understand why is it that I'm not? And it could be a parallel situation. You know, I I see so-and-so had an idea and they went directly. And so it's people at our level, people in the organization do that. So it's not like it's no one has done it before. Uh, So, right. So I think just, and, and again, the key thing is without the judgment. How come you're not going to him, her directly, <laughs> right? What's wrong with you where you can't, right? So I think it can be, you know, sometimes a bit challenging because you're like, it's a genius idea. What's wrong with you? Why don't yep. you go tell them? Again, that for some people that tough love might work. Um, but I think it sounds like your friend was a little more gentle. So I think that that's a, a way to get into it. And then I think in terms of an outcome saying, look at, I actually don't think I would be the colleague I need to be, right? So now I'm not doing my job if I were running as a go-between. Right. So that means that means Tim has to realize you're putting this your friend in a bad position, and that's not what yeah. Tim wants to do. Yeah, right. So yeah, then I you're starting. Of, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You have. Go ahead. Um, I, I think it's a matter of extricating uh, himself. It, I think th- it happened once, and it went really well, and therefore. Like, you know, globally, all of these people are now looking, <laughs> saying, ooh, it worked. Let's, let's keep going. So now it's a matter of extricating uh, oneself out of a situation 
um, that you kind of you, you might have you might have considered it a one-off, but in reality, it's a regular thing now. So. Yeah, and then I so I so I think the the third piece is so you've got the person in a good relationship with themselves. They're realizing they put you in a situation you don't want to be in, and the third piece can be, how can I help you? Right? Is, is it mm-hmm. if I go in with you? Do you want to do it directly? So again, you're <laughs> just there to support the person doing what you think is the most obvious thing to do, and you know it's that for them to decide. I would say that if someone kind of caves in and continues to do it, then you become enabling. Right, which is now you're sort of part of the problem inadvertently, and one wants to be mindful of if that's really the outcome you want. Mm-hmm. Great, very good. Sorry, I'm writing. <laughs> so you take your time. This everyone, whenever there's science, people say I'm writing. I'm like I know. <laughs> Although I know you've recorded everything, and it'll be like I can go back and listen in perpetuity. But nonetheless, it just helps me to write it down. Um, and then I have one last, if you have time. Have you time for just one more question? Yes, for sure, for sure. Okay, this is kind of the age-old discussion um, that has kind of taken a new twist. Um, I, I would like your your great and gracious words to, to prevent or gently curb someone from gossiping, off, office gossip. Now, it used to be we would stand, you know, people would, would stand up with coffee cups and kind of whisper, but now it's like virtual chat. And to, to me, I feel it's the same thing. It doesn't matter if we're typing it or saying it with our, with our words. Like, how can we just kind of put a stop to that? Uh, yeah, okay. Thank you <laughs> for raising this. Thank you for raising this. I think of this in two ways because I'm very empathetic for people that are just they're going crazy they're like another zoom another call and so there's kind of an outlet whereby i think it's just you know energy that needs to exit and the 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 gossiping is just kind of a way to like have people um somehow release so i think that you know acknowledging that there's something about it that's helping people is serving people is important. And, and to your point, we would like to, to a more constructive way mm-hmm. to do that. Um, so I think, you know, again, without coming across as the Debbie Downer person, like, you know, I'm an angel and a saint and I don't bestow <laughs> myself to gossip, blah, blah, blah. You know, I might just say, hey, I'm, I'm seeing this conversation. And let's say you're talking about a certain person. I'm just wondering how so-and-so would feel if they saw this. Mm. Pause. Good. Um, I'm wondering if other people were talking about any one of us, you know, um, this way, how would we feel? So there's a way to personalize, like, what's going on for people. And say, look, I understand that there's, you know, we have things that are uh, inside that maybe we want to vent. And I'm, listen, if you need to vent, call me one-on-one and we'll just vent so that you feel like you can kind of get it out. Um, and just say, you know, I, I, I would love for us to take the high road. So this is what you would love. I'd love to take the high road and, and keep it positive as we can. Absolutely, there's stuff that we can improve, but let's all do it in a vein of knowing that we can be better rather than, you know, cutting down um, or otherwise being negative with ourselves or with colleagues, I just don't, you know, for me, it doesn't feel like this is, you know, an environment that helps us to, to do our best work, to be our best selves. Great. Oh my gosh. I I think the caveat that you mentioned about just, if it's one-on-one, 
just to unload, that feels a lot more like I just need, I'll explode if I hold this in rather than bringing it, it, literally the bringing in of a third person kind of makes it more uh, malicious, you know what I mean? But one-on-one, I think I agree with what you said. It makes it more like, I just need to get this over with and then I'm done. <laughs> yeah, we're all human. I, I, I have gotten involved conversations in hindsight. I'm like, why, why did I go there? Like, why did I say that? So we all, we all succumb to this. It's totally normal. One mm-hmm. thing that can be helpful is when you've got these kind of close buddy relationships is just the signal. FYI, I don't want you to do anything. Please just listen. I'm going to like vent and then I'm going to be done. So just telegraph for the person who's listening and receiving because lots of times people who care about us are thinking, oh my gosh, I have to do something about this. When in fact, you're like, I just, I could be talking to the wall for all that matters, but I just need to get this off my chest. And you're like, okay, great. Are you done? Done. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> right. It's, yep, so you, that's great. Uh, okay. Anything else there? You got a great list. This is so awesome. I love the way that they're no, channeling through you. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, these are people that are just too, when I tell them, call in, it's, it's either a scheduling conflict or they're like, no, no, I can't. I don't, I don't want to. I'm like, it's, okay. So I'll be, I'll be your, your, <laughs> your reservoir if you want. And I'll just pass over them and then I'll relay it right back or you can just watch her. <laughs> Okay. Well, again, I would w- warmly welcome any of them to call in. Of course, you know that. So, of course, of course. Um, do you have, of all we've covered, Heidi, any particular top takeaway for you today? Yeah, I think it's kind. Of, even though we we covered vastly different topics, to me, it's kind of the same. It's all about security in in person, in your in your, who you are and what you're doing, and who you're interacting with. Um, courage. I've written down things like courage comfort and education that's those are the those are the ones that i've because it applies to actually everything we, we discuss believe it or not so and it's wonderful i love how you saw the forest for the trees and synthesized all that i also love you for the support that you have for your fellow cancer survivors and all that you are doing to really normalize. I encourage listeners. Heidi is amazing. Um, and, and you have really been a voice for others, my friend. And so really my heart is out to you and honoring you yeah. for, um, for your courage. It's been amazing. You. Um, you know how to reach me. We're in touch a lot. Um, and uh, I, I appreciate you joining me and always for being part of the solution, Heidi. You take good care. Uh, talk about an angel. Okay, I have a couple scenarios lined up that have been in my backlog, so I'm thrilled to have a chance to go there. I want to follow up on a previous caller who had a client under super severe burnout, and that company was in a very fragile state with the COVID times. The owner of the company was crystal clear, 80-hour weeks, condition of employment. The client has a wife, young family, and consequences um, very real of being unemployed. It's not something that, you know, there's a big luxury at this point. So I want to just want to address the mental angst, you know, and I imagine it's like driving in a blizzard. The wipers are furiously going back and forth. Snow's endlessly hitting the windshield. It's just never ending. So this is a very difficult state to make sound decisions. So step one is getting a good relationship with oneself and starting by stilling your own mind. And in these moments, starting with your breath, your best friend, always there for you. 
You know, when things seem to be falling apart, go to the breath, perhaps a gratitude meditation, thinking about all the things that you are grateful for your, in your life, right? And just try to recalibrate five minutes, 10 minutes, two minutes, and, and get yourself to a more hopeful state. Getting outside. I talked to someone very recently, you know, getting in nature, physical movement, whatever it takes for you to do the equivalent of a control alt delete. This is very important. The situation may not change, but an empowered mindset is going to make all the difference in how you feel and your ability to kind of work with the situation and perhaps see it differently than you have been, right? So there's a chance to just take a step back, exhale, say, okay, how, what am I not seeing? How could I look at this differently? Then... There's an army of people who love you and are around you to support you. So get, you know, kind of think about a a strategy. Who can you reach out to? Who are some folks that are emotional cheerleaders who are just going to exude positive energy to cheer you along the way, right? And this is super important to know that there's people cheering for you. And more task-oriented or tactically, who might help you to actually assess this situation look at it differently, identify ways that you could look at this thing differently and, and get help, okay? My number one thing is encourage you to ask for help. And, you know, when things are tough and you feel like you're going down, you don't go down alone. Take folks with you, right? Win together, lose together, if I said before. So I hope for folks that are having some tough times that that might give you um, some ways to, um, to work yourself to a better situation, Okay, number two, I recently posted a video on self-confidence. And if you're on my sayitskillfully.com site, it's number 46. And I want to share a specific scenario uh, around promotions. And frankly, I encounter this more than I'd like. So you're highly competent in your role, highly regarded by others. You have great institutional knowledge of your organization, okay? However, you don't quite highly value yourself as much. And so recently, someone shared how a sponsor in their organization was encouraging them to apply for what would be quite a a big promotion, a very reasonable one. This is not super stretch. And the the person came to me, which was awesome, uh, in a conversation. And and all I heard at the start was all the reasons why I can't take this role. This is all the reasons why the role's not exactly perfectly right, not set up for best success, etc. You know, in essence, all the reasons that I definitely should not go for this. So, of course, I was sort of smiling because in my mind, I'm like, this is so obvious. This is something that, you know, from above, they sent you a gift here. So, you want to say thank you, actually. So, the first thing is you hear all successful people share that the element of luck absolutely played a huge role in their success. This is also because they knew how to be lucky, which is when opportunity meets preparedness. You must be prepared to take the luck. And for some folks, that means stepping the accelerator on the courage button to say, okay, this is a signal. Someone's coming to me with an idea. I must be doing something, right? So secondly, note that when people are encouraging or even urging you, right, it's very unlikely to be some random and unfounded statement. You know, they have other things to do than to prop you up. They're not just saying that, okay? 
So um, I know many folks do struggle with the notion of um, being self-promotion-y. I don't want to look like I'm pounding my chest. Typically for you folks, okay, there's almost zero chance you're going to come across as arrogant. I'm going to go on a limb there for the folks that I know who tend to not want to do that. That's just not in your DNA. And you can ask people to let you know if they think you're coming across as arrogant. But my sense is that's probably not in your in your DNA. You know, there's virtue to being very humble and not self-promotion-y, it's also a vice in times when you want people to know how good you are. So when people open a door, say a big thank you. Don't overthink it and fast forward and overanalyze. I can't do it. I shouldn't do it. Say a big thank you. Walk through the door and consider how you might raise your game. And think of this not just like, well, it's not about me. You're right. It's not just about being in service to yourself. Raising your game may help you have much broader impact on the organization and their results and all the people you care about that you're working with. There's a lot of positivity there. And then thirdly, I want to encourage folks to take advantage of opportunities to actually create roles that are great fits. So it's not about just what you want to do, but when you have been in an organization a long time, you tend to be able to see the needs. And lots of times we have the same jobs, the same promotion paths, but you may see it differently saying, if we were able to combine this or move this activity to this role and create such and such, this would really help us serve our clients better. And by the way, I'm purpose built to play that role. That's a creativity opportunity. And again, if you're doing it First and foremost, with the system, the organization in mind and why it's beneficial, it's not as if you're you know, out there just thinking about yourself. So I want to encourage folks to, uh, to see these gifts as they are and to say thank you for them and to walk through those open doors. Lastly, I'd like to close on the topic of compassion, defined as the ability to sit with an open heart in the presence of unpleasant states. And I thank Soren Gordheimer for that definition. The times we are in have been very, very tough on many, many people. Your ability to show compassion to others can be an enormous benefit. May not seem like a lot to you, but can be so helpful. And I know a lot of you are being really hard on yourself. So I'd like to encourage self-compassion. Folks have heard me say, you know, your most successful people are self-aware. As you get more self-aware, your self-compassion needs to increase as well. You drive yourself crazy, okay? You are doing an amazing job to handle so much uncertainty in the world and in your own life um, and any feelings of going stir crazy. So I have a short compassion exercise that we're going to do right now. I want to credit Harry Palmer, who's the creator of the Avatar Compassion Project. Now, pick someone, and it might be yourself, who you have an issue with, okay? Or, you know, if you're out and about right now, you can just pick a stranger off in the distance. Now, with attention on the person, repeat to yourself, just like me, this person is seeking some happiness for his or her life. With attention on the person, repeat to yourself, just like me, this person is trying to avoid suffering in his or her life. With attention on the person, repeat to yourself, just like me, 
This person has known sadness, loneliness, and despair. With attention on the person, repeat to yourself, just like me, this person is seeking to fulfill his or her needs. Lastly, with attention on the person, repeat to yourself, just like me, this person is learning about life. I hope you experience a personal sense of peace and perhaps a breakthrough about yourself, uh, about others around you. And I'll close with my thought for the week from Seth Godin, marketing genius. We have the power and perhaps obligation to use shared knowledge to make better, more thoughtful decisions and to intentionally edit out the manipulations and falsehoods that are designed to spread, not to improve our lives. And that's a wrap. My thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 